Welcome inside Appalachia. I'm Mason Adams. Several years ago, we began following two young people as they started a new job training program. They both grew up in West Virginia, and they're passionate about finding a way to stay here in Appalachia. I mean, everything in me feels born and raised here and feels a part of this land. I feel like I'm where I need to be. The hardest thing is balancing it all. <laughs> I don't want to be negative, but I don't know if it's possible. No, I forget that. It's possible. Along the way, they faced multiple challenges, juggling family, work, school, and heartache. We didn't do nothing. We didn't do good. nothing accomplished today other than the house burned down. Can they find a way to keep going, earn a living, and stay in the state they love? We follow them on their two-year journey. And we'll hear where Colt and Crystal are today. You're inside Appalachia. I'm Mason Adams. Communities throughout Appalachia are struggling with shrinking populations. As a region, we're losing people in their prime working years, ages 25 to 64, even as the rest of the country is seeing growth in that demographic. You sometimes hear local leaders talk about a brain drain. They're referring to young people who get their college degrees and move out of the region to a city with more job opportunities. But it's not just young people. We live in a time when working for one employer or even in one field has become a rarity. For many Appalachians, living here isn't just a fact of life. It's a decision they're forced to revisit on a regular basis. A few years ago, our Inside Appalachia team set out to document the lives of six Appalachians who were trying to decide if they could find a stable job and keep their roots in Appalachia, or if they'd have to leave home for opportunities elsewhere. This week, we're bringing you two of those stories in completion. You know, my backpack is light. You know, if I had to, I could leave. But if, you know, if times get hard, like, I'm not hurting so bad because I don't have anything to lose. I don't own a home or I didn't, you know, I wasn't like a coal miner that was living a high lifestyle before. Like, I've always been poor, so I'm good at it now. <laughs> this is Colt Brogan. Back in 2016 and 2017, we followed along as he struggled to figure out a way to make life work in West Virginia. His friend, Crystal Snyder, is the mother of two, who also desperately wants to make a living right here in Appalachia. I love to travel. I love to see new places. But nothing compares to West Virginia, I don't think. It's just not home. Like, you know, if you see just like flat, like you can see too far, it's like, this isn't right. <laughs> but it's not easy making a living here. Each year, thousands of Appalachians move away from their hometowns to find opportunities elsewhere. To hear them tell their stories in their own words, we gave Colt and Crystal recorders and asked them to document what happened at work, at school, and in their personal lives. Both spent two and a half years in a job training program with a nonprofit Coalfield Development Corporation. They were part of an apprenticeship program that teaches skills like carpentry, solar panel installation, and farming. Trainees attend community college classes and earn their associate's degree. Coalfield Development pays for their tuition, but if they can't keep their grades up, they could be fired. The program is funded in part by federal money to help coal-producing states transition away from coal. But coal mining still pays better than most other industries around here. That's especially true for farming, which is not the most lucrative career. Still, Colt and Crystal decided to give it a try. 
They signed up for Coalfield's farming program called Refresh Appalachia. Colt and Crystal became friends. They bonded over their similar backgrounds. Both have struggled with multi-generational poverty and substance abuse in their families. But they also share a determination to succeed and to overcome the obstacles of their past. Our producer, Roxy Todd, has been following Colt and Crystal's journey over the past four years. She takes it from here. Colt grew up in Lincoln County, West Virginia. I mean, everything in me is feels born and raised here and feels a part of this land. I feel like I'm where I need to be. And I feel like in that sense I'm blessed because so many people's had to move or some people are trapped and can't move. That's how I feel about being in West Virginia. I feel like it's where I was meant to be. In high school, Colt planned to join the Army or maybe get a job working for a construction company. He didn't want to work in the coal mines. I feel like coal mining was good for a long time or whatever. It was like a gold rush or something. It's good while it lasts, and then, you know, when it's over, it's really awful for at least a spell. Most of his friends' dads worked as miners, and he saw a lot of them lose their jobs, including his stepfather. These days, it's a challenge to get a job in coal, and finding a well-paying job in another industry is even tougher. Despite this, Colt wants to stay in West Virginia. He says he wants to be close to his family, especially his seven-year-old brother. And then there's his mom. My mom has always lived down this road since I was about, I want to say, three or four. Colt drives me along the Coal River in a 1996 Geo Tracker. That rattling you hear? There's something wrong with his car, but he doesn't have the time or money to get it fixed. This is an extremely windy road. People describe it as like a roller coaster. It's May 2016, one of our first interviews together. Every curve of this road has some significance for Colt. As we travel along the river, I learn all the stories that connect him to Lincoln County, all the things he loves and hates, and all the memories that make him feel he has to stay, even though a part of him wants to leave. As a kid, he walked miles down this road. During summers, he spent more time outside than at home. On the hills to our left, we pass brick houses with well-landscaped lawns. Those houses, says Colt, are where the rich people live. The other side, the one that floods almost every spring, is where the river people live. And my people are the people of the Coal River. That's the people that I, that I relate to. Those are the people that is the only one that lived the life that I lived. At one point along the drive, we pass a small white cross on the side of the road. This is where, where everybody fishes, uh, mainly, because it's deep and, and there's good access to the river and nobody, nobody's there. And that cross you've seen, that actually somebody was murdered there a couple murdered? years ago. Yeah. Came to a gruesome demise, probably drug-related, to be honest. We drive a little more through washed-out parts of the road until we park at one of Colt's favorite swimming holes. A giant oak tree hangs over us as we stand on a narrow beach beside the Green River. Two kayakers paddle by. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. 
Colt says everything changed in this community about 10 years ago when drugs like prescription pills and then meth and heroin started becoming more common. On a normal day, I mean, on a completely normal day here, there's somebody in their car up there doing some drugs. There's like three people rolling a joint or a blunt down here, and everybody's got alcohol. Colt remembers parties on the weekends here when he was in high school. But he also remembers when families would come here to swim together, something he hasn't seen in many years. You know, it used to be more beach, so there'd be more people basking in the sun, and the kids could play in the rapids that there used to be, and the rope swing was really deep, so it was pretty safe, honestly. And you can still go on the rope swing, but it's not as deep as it used to be where they made the breaks. Colt's memories from growing up along this river are mostly like this, idyllic and adventurous. Similar to the stories people from many rural communities remember. Few grown-ups, lots of time spent in nature. But for the most part, before drugs came into this community, Colt says the area along Cole River used to be the kind of place he'd probably want to raise his own family. But at some point, maybe around 2010, drugs swept through his community in a big way. And it was, it's almost scary to see that change, to see what I feel is the drug epidemic changing the nature of the people to what they are today. And how it used to just not be like that. You know, the worst thing you'd ever hear about is maybe marijuana and, and some drinking. And now it's like your cousin Tommy's a meth head and your brother lives up cliffside and is in a heroin den or something. After we get back into his geo-tracker, we drive past small homes, dog kennels, a chicken coop. Colt doesn't slow down as we pass his mom's house. He keeps his eyes on the road. This is where I grew up. There used to be a trailer there, but we tore it down because it flood damage. And that's my mother's house. But I'm not welcome there anymore. Colt and his mom haven't been getting along for years, but things came to a head when he stopped by her house for a visit a few days before this interview. They got into an explosive argument over money, he says. She wanted him to pay the taxes on a property she'd given him next door. He said he didn't want the property. It floods all the time. For years, Colt says his mom has repeatedly tried to get money from him. This time, he told her no. Um, and she said, are you going to pay the taxes? And I said, well, I was probably probably not going to. And she got upset and started yelling and cussing and breaking stuff and asked me to leave. Colt tells me his mom has struggled with drug addiction since he was little. Later, I ask his mom if this is true. She says addiction is something from her past. It's how she's dealt with abuse she's experienced from men in her life. I feel like I have no purpose at all. I feel hopeless. I feel all's lost. As for this fight over money, she says she was angry that Colt wouldn't help pay the taxes, but that she didn't throw Colt out of the house. In 2015, a few days before Colt turned 18, he moved out of his mom's house. He doesn't look sad when he talks about it. He's angry. But there's nothing for me at that house. It's nothing but bad memories anyway, mainly. We turn around. And this time, he does slow down as we pass his mom's house again. There's a nativity scene, surrounded by blooming flowers. Despite everything, she always had a green thumb. I think that's somewhat where I got my green thumb. It's from my mother. 
like anything she would plant, she's planted a little bit of everything, flowers and crops and stuff like that. And everything she, I've, I've ever seen her plant has grown with almost no maintenance, strange. That green thumb that Colt inherited from his mom is why he decided to take an agriculture class in high school and later applied to learn farming through Refresh Appalachia. But he didn't always want to be a farmer. When he was a kid, Colt dreamed of being an architect. But that changed. By high school, he decided college wasn't for him. It just it felt too unpredictable. I felt like college is impossible for me. I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, when I was 17, coming out of a house that was not a very healthy environment. I mean, I thought dealing drugs is safer than going to college. It's a God's honest truth. Colt didn't have a lot of money for college, and he knew he couldn't count on his family for financial assistance. Taking out loans just felt like a gamble to him. College wasn't familiar, and he didn't really know a lot of people who knew much about higher education. Drugs, though, that's something he saw regularly. So as a teenager, he briefly considered becoming a methamphetamine dealer. I could have made money that way. I mean, probably would have been an addict and had an awful life. Made bad choices, maybe went to jail, became a felon. I mean, it's not a bad, it's not a good road to go down to, but it's definitely lucrative and and available. He says this was the lowest point in his life because he was headed down a path he didn't like. He was using hard drugs like heroin, crystal meth, and abusing prescription pills like most of his friends and family. But then things changed when he heard about the apprenticeship program at Refresh Appalachia because he had to pass a drug test to get the job. He says he quit drugs cold turkey, but it wasn't easy. To get away from his friends and family who were using, he asked for help from a friend he knew from agriculture class, Adriana Burton, and her mom. Adriana and her mom like gave me that place to get away from the temptations. Adriana admits it wasn't easy to live with Colt while he was trying to quit drugs. For me, I went from really liking this guy to almost being afraid because he was, like, like he said, a huge during that time like it didn't matter what anybody said it was bad it was wrong he had something smart ass to say about it he didn't want to be around people and if he did like they didn't want to be around him at that time it took about two months until he felt in control of his emotions again and stopped snapping at people he started to feel better to think more clearly he wrote music to refocus his mind Mistakes are made and lessons are learned. Rivers must be crossed when bridges are burned. Sometimes ice is hot and fire is cold. But life changes fast, so you gotta be bold. Colt was accepted into the training program with Refresh Appalachia. And he says keeping busy is also helping him keep his thoughts away from drugs. He dreams of one day owning a farm or a ranch in Lincoln County and maybe even giving back to the region. He'd like to be able to hire people, maybe even give teenagers a chance to work and stay if they need a place to live. I know I never had nothing like that, and I know that I wouldn't have hung out with the people I hung out with or did the things I did if I'd have had a big ranch to live on and, you know, food to eat every night. He shares that dream with Adriana, 
Around the time when he got the job with Refresh Appalachia, they started dating. During that time, there were some very, like, future-motivated text messages between us. And one of them, from way back then, is still my screen background on my phone. And it's basically like, we're going to overcome all this. I'm going to be your husband. We're going to have a farm. We're going to have 18 kids, because that's the joke that he had back then. 11. 11 kids. Sorry. When I hear Colt talk about his dreams of having a family, some land to grow food, I always compare that to what he's described about his own family situation with drugs, change, and chaos. To me, it seems that stability is something Colt craves. And if you think about it, there's almost nothing more stable than owning land, especially land in the same valley where your ancestors once lived. Staying here in Lincoln County and making a home here is deep for Colt. But achieving these dreams seemed almost impossible at times for him. By fall of 2016, things began to spiral out of control. It's September 2nd, and since the last time we talked, a lot's happened. A little bit after we talked, I mean, I just felt like in complete turmoil. Got to the point where I couldn't really wash my clothes really well, and sometimes I'd do it by hand. Washing his clothes became a problem because his washing machine broke. That same week, his car broke down. I mean, I carpool, and, you know, they encourage us to carpool and stuff at the company, but... Carpooling worked until one day when his coworker was off sick. Colt's boss said he had to find another solution, so he started walking about a mile to work and school on days when he couldn't get a ride. On top of his job, Colt has also been stressed about managing all the schoolwork and papers for his college classes. Some of his co-workers at Refresh Appalachia have left because the program's time commitments were too strict. One co-worker was fired for not showing up to class. But Colt isn't a quitter. He's tough, and he's proud of that. If you want to stay here in West Virginia, then I think I believe you're doing something right. With, I mean, because it's hard to want to stay here, in my opinion. It's, it is because it is so rough. Tough as he is, Colt didn't know how to deal with what happened next. My cousin called me. Uh, and I answered the phone at like 7 in the morning, and she told me that my mom's house burned down. She's like, it's gone. It's it burned down. It's gone. Didn't really say much else. Colt called his boss and said he needed the day off. Since his car was still broken down, a co-worker drove him to what was left of his mom's house. And it was gone. I mean, this top story was just burnt. And it was, there were two walls, like, standing, but, like, I think it's just because it started in the middle and, like, burned towards the outside and it just took a while but I mean there's just nothing salvageable everything in the basement if it didn't get burnt it got soaked and like nasty Colt's seven-year-old brother had been staying at his aunt's house so he was okay his mom escaped with no serious injuries which was surprising because the blaze started right near her bed while she was asleep from a candle she'd left burning she did have a big burn mark on her forehead The fire department took a while to respond to the 911 call because Colt's mom lives in Alum Creek, right on the county line. So the dispatchers couldn't agree on which county was responsible for her home. This is the call between emergency dispatchers at Kanawha County and Lincoln County 911. Yeah, we have 5025. You have a report of a structure fire. According to Colt's aunt, Beth Miller, This conversation between the two counties was going on after the house had already burned. 
She says they'd actually made two earlier calls to 911 asking for help. Okay, on the riverside or because we have the roadway. But the river and everything on that side is in y'all's county. Is it on the? I'm trying to find out, ma'am. I've got three EMS calls after this side. I'm so sorry. Okay, let me figure this out. All right. According to Colt's aunt, Beth Miller, two local volunteer firefighters heard this conversation on the dispatch radio, and they brought in the fire departments from surrounding areas. But by the time the firefighters arrived, the house was a total loss. There wasn't much they could do. Everything was ruined, including dozens of musical instruments, their family's quilts, baby photos. By the way, this was not their first fire. When Colt was two years old, their first house along the Coal River burned down. And being so close to the river, Colt and his mom have also been flooded several times. Colt's mother, Maria Murado, remembers. After the waters went down, it's nothing but sludge and nasty, stink, gross. They would, you know, we would have to get tetanus shots and bleach and go at it like that. So they've lost things in the past, but this recent fire was the worst. In the middle of the chaos after the house burned, Colt's mom took off and didn't tell anybody. Colt was angry that his mom left without saying goodbye. We didn't do nothing. We didn't do nothing accomplished today other than the house burned down. And it's just like the whole day was wasted. And that was the only day I had to give, too. So it was like hurt. Like it just hurt because it's like it's impossible for me to take off work. Like it's so hard. I asked Colt if it hurt to see his childhood home burn. He said he doesn't look at it that way, that he's already said goodbye to this house. When I moved from there, I took my boots and stuff, two changes of clothes, and I was out, and I didn't, didn't care if I never got to go back. I mean, that's how I felt when I moved out of there. You know, I got enough to survive, no matter what it, you know, whatever it takes. Like, I'm okay. I don't feel like that now. I mean, I feel like, I don't feel like what I did was a mistake, but I don't feel like uh, that you can ever, like, really sever those ties once they're there. I mean, that's why they call them ties, right? You can't, I mean, you say you do, you say you've never talked to these people, you say you say a lot, but if you if you really loved somebody, it, even at one point in your time, it's like there's always somewhat of a connection. One of the only things that made it out of the fire was a ceramic box Colt had given his mom years ago when he was about four or five years old. It was uh, like a jewelry box. It was shaped like a heart. It said mom on the top. And I thought that was just like kind of amazing. His Aunt Beth says she's still hoping Colt and his mom can eventually work things out. Oh, it's my prayer every night that things eventually work out. But I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, two stubborn people don't always work together. After the fire, Colt's mom's life became even more disordered. She moved around every few days, bouncing from house to house, staying with friends. She'd lost her phone in the fire, so Colt didn't have a way to reach her. He lost a lot of sleep, worrying about where she was staying and what would happen to her now that she was homeless. 
he and his mom drifted apart again, and they didn't speak much over the next few months. We've been listening to a story about Colt Brogan, one of the people we followed back in 2016 and 2017 for our series, The Struggle to Stay. The series, by the way, won a national award. When we come back, we'll hear Colt's plans as he approaches the end of his training program with Refresh Appalachia. Will he find a job that can support him? We'll also check back in with one of Colt's co-workers, Crystal Snyder. That's all coming up after the break. You're inside Appalachia. I'm Mason Adams. We'll be right back. Support for Inside Appalachia is provided by Concord University in Athens, West Virginia. With career-focused liberal arts education in more than 80 degrees and programs to pursue various career options, not just a single job. More at concord.edu. Today, we're revisiting two of our Struggle to Stay stories. When this series originally aired in 2017, many of you, our listeners, reached out to share your connection with this series, and we loved hearing from you. Many of you asked what happened to the people we followed, and today, we've got updates from Colton Crystal. You'll have to stick around to the end of the show to hear what's happened to them in the years since we originally produced these stories. Back in 2016, they began learning to become farmers through a job training program called Refresh Appalachia. Crystal Snyder is in her 30s now. She's the single mother of two. And when we followed her, she insisted she was determined to stay in West Virginia, where her family has lived for generations. Even though she worries about the poor health statistics of the state, she wants to stay here to make it better and healthier for her children. But while she has a lot of passion for farming, it's been a challenge paying her bills and keeping all the time commitments for the program, as she told Roxy Todd. Crystal has blonde hair, and her face is tanned from working in the sun. She was accepted into the Refresh Appalachia training program in 2016, just after she'd lost her job at a t-shirt factory. She takes me to the factory where she used to work. It's a plain gray building that's grim on the outside. The parking lot is deserted. There were no women that ran the machines, and so I kind of raised hell because I wanted to run a machine. You know, I wanted to make more money. I wanted to have more responsibility here. Crystal says the men earn more pay at the t-shirt factory, but it was more than the money that bothered her. She's always thought of herself as a tough person. Before working at the factory, she worked as a landscaper, and she's proud of her strength. She isn't afraid to do work that men typically do. I kind of like non-traditional or like men's jobs. <laughs> Maybe it's a pride thing. I don't know. <laughs> I like physical jobs. I like jobs that people might be surprised that they might see me doing. Or I don't know. I just like to be different. <laughs> Crystal asked to be promoted to work the machines, but her supervisor told her no and didn't consider her for a different job. She didn't file a discrimination suit against the company for that or for the sexual harassment she says she endured at the factory. It just seems like there wasn't a lot of respect. Like, hey, your butt looks good in those jeans or just perverted harassment. Crystal didn't complain because she figured it would just make things worse if she wanted to keep her job. But one thing she didn't tolerate at the factory was racism. 
Some of her coworkers put up giant rebel flags on their trucks and said racist things. Crystal is white, but when the racism went unchecked, it bothered her. I was like all I could take, and I just went to the boss, and I was like, this isn't right. You know, this is not a good environment to work in. And uh, it was like a week or two later, he came. the boss came to me and said, like, that business had slowed down and that he was going to lay me off. And I was like, it's because I complained. He's like, no, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Crystal says she was the only person laid off at that time. Even though she still believes she was unfairly terminated, Crystal didn't seek legal counsel after she lost her job at the t-shirt factory. She didn't want to get anyone in trouble, and she didn't want to deal with the stress of courts and lawyers. Because none of this was resolved in court, and since the company went out of business in 2016, we're withholding the name of the company where she worked. After she lost her job at the t-shirt factory, she learned about Coalfield Development's job training program in farming. A friend knew I got laid off, and he sent me a link that they were doing uh, offering free job training classes at uh, in Huntington, and that's how I found Refresh Appalachia, so I'm happy I got laid off. She was assigned to work in the same Refresh Appalachia crew as Colt Brogan. They both spend a majority of their time working at Lincoln County High School. But in the summer and fall, they also work at an old farm in Milton. The farm sits right beside Interstate 64. There's an old gray barn with a giant American flag, a tiny green farmhouse where they have work meetings on the porch. One thing Crystal loves about the job is that she's treated as an equal and gets to do the same work as the men. Crystal was beaming one afternoon when she told me her boss, Ben Gilmer, taught her to drive a John Deere tractor. Ben and I worked together this past Sunday, um, and he was very patient, and he taught me how to drive it. And he believed in me and told me to get up there, and I did, and and I plowed half that field there. (laughs) It was awesome. proud to be in the field of agriculture. I'm proud to be on this journey, and I don't know where it's going, but it's going somewhere good. Crystal was thrilled by Refresh Appalachia's education requirement, especially since her tuition would be paid for. But maintaining A's and B's in school is challenging for Crystal. When she was 16, she dropped out of high school and ended up getting her GED three years later. When she was in her 20s, she took a couple of college classes, but going to school while working and raising her two kids, it was just too much, and she eventually dropped out of college. Getting a job that helps her go to college was a game changer. That associate degree, like that's, that's what I've got my eye on. <laughs> like just the fact that I can earn an associate degree um, in two years and earn half of my credits while I'm working. And I'm also getting paid a stipend while I'm at class. So, like, that's just huge. You know, like, one class is hard. I can imagine trying to take two and work, you know, full-time. I, I just, I don't think I could do it. So this is, this is the way I can. And I don't want to stop with the associate degree. I want to keep going. I want to get a master's degree. (laughs) But before she gets there, she has to pass her classes. During her first year with Refresh Appalachia, she failed a class and had to retake it. The hardest 
thing is is balancing it all. 33 hours, like working full-time and going to school full-time, still taking care of a house and a yard and kids and dinner. <laughs> I don't want to be negative, but I don't know if it's possible. No, I forget that. It's possible. During the summer of 2016, Crystal and her co-workers were busy planting winter squash at the Milton farm site. The plan was to sell these squash to grocery stores. But the heavy rains washed away most of the seeds that they planted. And so by July, they had to replant the entire crop. Crystal recorded this next entry when she was working until dusk at the farm. Hey y'all, it's Crystal. Um, I just got here in Milton. Uh, to the farm to reseed some squash that was supposed to have been done last week. She was halfway through replanting the seeds when she left for vacation. She had been planning it for a few weeks now. Well, it was kind of a working vacation. During the 2016 presidential election, she was head over heels for Bernie Sanders. She felt like he was the first politician who understood her struggle. These politicians are on the side of the greedy corporate billionaires, the 1%, while people like me can't pay their, their rent and buy food. Crystal volunteered with the Sanders campaign, and she even attended the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. She requested three days off work on the farm to go. I'm here at the Philadelphia Convention Center. Volunteering for the Sanders campaign. But once she arrived, the people she was getting a ride home with said they planned on staying till Friday, the same day she was supposed to be at work. She didn't call or text her boss, but she did send a message. So I sent an email late Wednesday night, about midnight, Thursday morning. I was due to be back at work Thursday. <clears throat> said, I'm sorry. I can't make it. I, I can't make it in the rest of the week. When she came back, her boss Ben asked, why didn't she just call or text? Crystal remembers being frustrated with the question, and it turned into a bit of an argument. You know what? I was in Philadelphia fighting like for our, our democracy, our freedom. They cut me some slack. And that's pretty much what I said, and I think that <laughs> I think that they're more upset about my attitude about it <clears throat> than than even the actual aspect of me emailing instead of calling in. So uh, yesterday they told me that uh, I was beyond like a probationary period and. If I was late or, or didn't show up for work, which never happens, that I would be terminated. The threat of losing her job, plus the stress of having to replant the entire squash field, just felt like too much pressure for Crystal. I'm not sleeping at night. And... God. 
I'm not sleeping and I'm having like chest pain and it's just so much pressure. I feel so alone. The next morning, she had to go to a special meeting with her bosses, Ben and Brandon, and talk about what would happen next. At many jobs, a mistake like what Crystal did might get a worker fired. But firing people is a last resort option for coalfield development, explains one of Crystal's bosses, Brandon Dennison, the organization's CEO. You know, we can't coddle because we, we can't set our crew members up thinking the workforce works one way when it doesn't. You, you can't miss work without notifying your supervisor. And so if, when that happens, there have to be consequences. However, we can enforce those consequences in a fair and compassionate way. And so instead of just firing and terminating, the incentives can kind of rise and fall. And there's, you know, entry ramps and exit ramps so that we can learn and grow. Her other boss, Ben Gilmer, points out that previous to this one mistake, Crystal had been an exceptional worker. When she's on the job site, it's clear that everyone else kind of steps up their game to keep to keep up with her. She sets the pace, which I admire a lot. So when she didn't show up for work, it seemed out of character. And they decided to give her another chance. Because the ultimate goal of Refresh Appalachia isn't just to grow food. It's to help people like Crystal and Colt reach their potential. I think that's one thing that folks like Colton Crystal are they are changing the narrative. I think I've seen, I've heard it and I've seen it. And, um, you know, I think that's one key to Central Appalachia and Southern West Virginia is just like having those examples to point to. Ben says at the end of the day, seeing them succeed, that's just as important to him as seeing the farm business triumph. Because with farming, there are going to be failures along the way. And in the same way, people are going to make mistakes too. After all the squash had been replanted in Milton, Crystal got to spend more time working in Lincoln County High School's greenhouse. Even though it meant a longer drive, she loves working there. She likes interacting with the high school students and teaching them to grow food. And she gets to work with two people she's grown to be close friends with, Colt and Caroline. They joke that they're the three C's. They also started to grow shiitake mushrooms at the Lincoln County site. This is the type of farming Crystal is most passionate about. She smiles while she drills holes in logs and hammers in little plugs with shiitake spawn. In about eight months, these logs will grow shiitake mushrooms. Being out here and being in Lincoln County is like, it's just got me like wanting to just go off the grid. <laughs> just grow my own food and, <laughs> and stay out here. It's just so peaceful. Despite the stressful moments, farming gives Crystal a peace she hasn't enjoyed much over her life. She had two rough marriages, and her childhood was filled with trauma. During her time in Refresh Appalachia, Crystal started seeing a therapist who helped her overcome some lingering effects of the trauma she's experienced. 
just learning to stop the bad thoughts and not worry. Like just worry does so much harm and, and no good. So it kind of forced me to snap out of it and refocus on all the wonderful things in my life. The program has also helped Crystal talk about her trauma with her coworkers in a group setting. In one particular meeting, Crystal told the entire Refresh Appalachia crew of a dozen people about the experiences she faced as a little girl. In second grade, we were robbed. My dad was heavier into, like, he was selling cocaine at that point. And he, we lived in the East End, 7th Avenue and 14th Street in Huntington. And he had some shady friends, and they knew he had a stash. And they kicked in the door, and there were guns. And I just, it was so scary. I just, I thought we were, they were going to kill him, and I thought they were going to kill us. And my mom was just screaming, and we were all just screaming. Her boss, Ben, said the story seemed to inspire the rest of her coworkers to share their experiences. When Crystal, she leads from her heart like that, and it, it allows other people to, I think, access that within themselves in a different, in a different way. And, and I saw that. So we, each of us, including myself, probably, you know, we, we just opened up in a way we wouldn't have otherwise um, because she started off that way. In her second year with Refresh, Crystal started to focus more on how much she's overcome in life. And she also began improving her grades in college, making all A's and B's. Her dream is to one day own a farm where she could work with her son or daughter if they decide to become farmers. What are you most proud of? My resiliency, my, my tenacity. I'm proud that I shine my light still, maybe more so than maybe I would have if I hadn't experienced darkness, I just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a protector, and I love that about myself. Um, I'm proud of my kids, <laughs> their kindness. The next time I check back in with Crystal and Colt, it's January 2017. They and 10 other co-workers are at the annual Refresh Appalachia work retreat. Basically just a time for us to get together, you know, the entire team and uh, be able to kind of focus what we want to do as far as team building. They're staying under one roof in a cabin in Logan County, southern West Virginia. Above where we're sitting, there's a taxidermy boar's head mounted to the wall. And across the room, there's a stuffed bobcat and squirrel. Colt points out the decor creates a manufactured rustic feel. There's a pretend outhouse and a pretend tree with, with stuffed animals on it. And the, the lighting, light fixtures are buckets and deer antlers and uh, leather couches. And everything's made of wood, it seems. And I, I like it, though. It's really beautiful. They reflect on how the year has gone. The squash they had to replant didn't do so well and were quite small. They did sell some of the squash to a local food cooperative, but at a cheaper price than what they were hoping to get from some of the grocery store chains. But most of the retreat is spent connecting as a team. During dinner prep, about six people are squeezed into the kitchen, making salad, chicken soup, all with local ingredients they've grown or raised over the winter. Okay. We got the quiches in the oven, so I washed my hands. <laughs> now I'm reflecting. While the food is in the oven, I sit down with Crystal and Colt on the back porch of the cabin. They both seem in better spirits than last fall. 
Colt says one of his cousins is trying to get off drugs, and he says he's hoping others in his family and across West Virginia can get sober too. I just feel like in this year, I think for a lot of people, it's time to make your peace. With some encouragement from Crystal, Colt finally tells me there's been some good news in his life. He was awarded the youngest member to become a crew leader. He was also elected president of Coalfield's Crew Member Council. So basically, he gets to represent his coworkers and advocate for ways to improve their experience, kind of like the student body president for his program. Work isn't the only thing going well for Colt. He proposed to his girlfriend, Adriana, over Christmas. You know, it was weird and awkward, but we were having an argument, <laughs> having a big argument. And I was just questioning, like, our relationship in a, not in a big sense, but just in a, like, why are we arguing sense? Like, it just didn't make sense. I just wondered if she was so bent out of shape that she wouldn't marry me, and I asked her theoretically. (laughs) And then she said yes, and I pulled out the ring and said, will you marry me? Well, I used her full name and got down to one knee and everything, but... So you had the ring on? Yeah, I had the ring. So you'd been thinking about it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to for a long time. I just had to get the ring first. I didn't have to, but I just wanted to. I thought she's worth it. He says he feels confident he and Adriana will find a way to stay in West Virginia. He knows it won't be easy, but life has been hard in the past, just like it has for other young people in West Virginia. Everywhere in the state, there's a story like mine. I feel like there's countless stories like mine. I think people need to know the problems out there so that they can find those solutions. They need to know what we really face as a community and what kids are learning. So, you know, what the future generation has to hold because of what they have experienced and how emotionally and mentally uh, disturbed a lot of us really are because of what we did have to go through. been listening to a series of stories that we originally aired in 2017 about Colt Brogan and Crystal Snyder. Each said they wanted to stay in Appalachia and learn farming. Roxy got back up with them in 2018 to hear how things were going. In early January that year, their program, Refresh Appalachia, hosted a retreat. Like the one a year earlier, it was held at a rustic cabin in Logan County. Roxy picks up their story there. They sit in a small huddle to discuss a list of things that hadn't gone as planned on the farm in the past year. On a large piece of paper, Colt draws a field of squash plants, overrun with weeds. For the second year in a row, they had problems with their squash crop. This is our squash fields. Um, We didn't really allocate time to weed them properly. Also, throughout a good amount of the year, we had a, a communication breakdown. What specifically failed? The, the crop. This year, they planted earlier, and the squash plants were growing much better than last year. But they didn't keep up with the weeds, and most of the plants died. While the weeds were overrunning the squash, they were focused on growing vegetables and raising chickens at Lincoln County High School. It was a lot to manage, and they should have called in reinforcements for help. Crystal says they're trying to learn from their mistakes. I don't believe in failures. I believe in learning opportunities. So we just came up with a lot of things that we can do different um, to have a more successful crop. 
of winter squash in the future. After they're done huddling, they present their reflections to the larger group of coworkers, using sticky notes and illustrations to depict their successes and their failures. They raised a lot of collard greens, beets, and carrots, but several of the chickens they were raising for meat died prematurely. Still, the farm raised $15,000 through the sale of vegetables and meat, and they were proud of that. After a full day of meetings, they all gather in the kitchen to prepare dinner together. <laughs> I'm washing some monster potatoes for our potato soup. You got the directions? It says cubed. Is that our chicken? We grew those chickens at the Lincoln County High School. While Colt and Crystal cook potato soup, and several of their co-workers roast a chicken, other workers sit on couches to sing and play the guitar. Despite the fact that they had some failures on the farm, Colton Crystal's boss, Ben Gilmer, says the real success of Refresh Appalachia is seeing them change and grow over the past two and a half years. We're trying to, you know, help people and places reach their full potential. We try to operate like a business, so we try to create our own revenue um, so we're sustainable. But we have a social mission, and that mission is, is to help people and places, specifically in the coal fields. And he points out, although people have been farming for a long time in Appalachia, making money from small farms is a relatively new idea for communities in Appalachia. One of the goals of Refresh Appalachia is to find ways to adapt to the landscape and grow food in an area that has some challenges. For example, miles and miles of former strip mines. Part of it for us is figuring out how we do agriculture in the coal fields, because it's not like the Midwest or the Hudson Valley or the Northwest or Central Valley, California. So, like at Refresh, we're growing in parking lots and we're growing, you know, on uh, using abandoned mine lands for geothermal energy for greenhouses. No matter what we do, I feel like in Central Appalachia, it's like we're going to have to make it our own, like building on what we have. This May, Colt and Crystal will both complete their associate's degrees in applied science. They will also be the first two graduates of the Refresh Appalachia program. I think part of what we're um, doing, a lot of folks in the region right now, they're looking at folks like Crystal and Colt. I think they provide a model of, you know, folks that are taking a bold step. Crystal is working on her business plan to become a professional mushroom farmer. She's going to transition to that goal by continuing to work part-time with Refresh Appalachia over the summer. After that, she'll work on building her own farming business. That's really exciting. I have never graduated from anything, so that's pretty cool that I was able to earn my associate's degree. I want to create a business that I can pass along to my children, employ people in my community.
We've been listening to Colt and Crystal Stories, which originally aired in 2018. Today, we have some updates on Colt and Crystal's lives and some twists. Neither Colt nor Crystal currently live in West Virginia. Colt and Adriana moved to Ohio. He works in the auto industry. He says it's good money, but he misses his family, and he and his mom still haven't reconciled with each other. He and Adriana are hoping to get married next June. Crystal, meanwhile, moved to Virginia's Shenandoah Valley, where she's pursuing a career as a water operator. Both say they made the decision to leave West Virginia and leave farming so that they could find more financial stability. Both of them still hold a dream to return to West Virginia, and each both have a dream to one day own their own farms. Even though they didn't end up pursuing jobs in agriculture, at least for now, they say their experience in Refresh Appalachia gave them a sense of what's possible. Crystal and Colt, keep in touch. We hope to hear from you again here inside Appalachia. Music in today's show is provided by Marissa Anderson. Roxy Todd is our producer. Our executive producer is Andrea Billups. Ibi Caputo edited the stories in this episode. Eric Douglas is our associate producer. Our audio mixer is Patrick Stevens. Xander Alloy also helped us produce this episode. You can find us online on Twitter at InAppalachia. You can also send an email to InsideAppalachia at WVPublic.org. Or send us a letter to Inside Appalachia at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, 600 Capitol Street, Charleston, West Virginia, 25301. I'm Mason Adams. Inside Appalachia is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for Inside Appalachia is provided by Concord University in Athens, West Virginia. With career-focused liberal arts education in more than 80 degrees and programs to pursue various career options, not just a single job. More at concord.edu.